0: In today's episode, we are discussing the evolution of probation and are joined by two recently retired chiefs, both of whom served as CPOC president. Our guests shared their wealth of knowledge on how probation as a profession has changed and adapted over the past two decades. Hope you enjoy. Hello.
1: Hello, hey Karen.
0: Today we're joined by Ventura County Chief Probation Officer Mark Varela. Not for long. Maybe by the time this this airs, you may be in the retired ranks, and retired Chief Mike Daly from uh, Marin. Yep. Gosh, it took me a minute there yeah. because I don't think of you from Marin anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah. for joining us today. Really appreciate okay. it. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about probation and um, and kind of the trajectory of the profession. Um, you guys have been in uh, this career for quite some time and have some thoughts, you know, looking back on it. Uh, we'd love to try to capture that today. So before we do that, let's start with kind of how long you've been in the profession, so, and maybe how did you get into the profession? So we'll start with you, Chief Varela.
2: Well, I've been doing this for a long time, 34 years. I started in 1988. So literally, I went from graduating college to wandering in the hall of administration and applying for a position of deputy probation officer which I didn't know was open at the time. So a lot of a lot of the fate worked into into what happened with me. But I was a a pre-law major at UC Santa Barbara. My aspirations were to be a criminal defense attorney. I wanted to come back and work in the uh, community that I was raised in. Uh, I decided to take a couple years off and take a tour of a variety of law schools. In the meantime, I had a teacher's assistant who was a teacher's assistant for a constitutional law class at UC Santa Barbara who encouraged me to, if I was going to take a couple years off, find a job in criminal justice, you know, work there for a little while and see how you like it. And so I applied to be a deputy probation officer. This was a few weeks after graduation. And I started uh, a couple months later and 34 years later, that's, that's mm-hmm. where I've been. So I've always thought of myself as one of those fortunate people that found a profession that was perfectly suited for me and enjoyed over three decades working in the job so
0: well i'm always surprised when i hear stories like Mm -hmm. that except that I always hear stories like that. Mm -hmm. It seems like a lot of chiefs ended up finding their way and probably others in probation kind of by accident. And in fact, that's part of why we wanna have this podcast is to make sure people know more about probation because I think once people do find their way there, they do fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. I know that's certainly um, my part of my story as well. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So Chief Daly, what brought you to the profession?
1: I was a social science major at Cal Poly with a criminal justice concentration and I graduated and I went back to my hometown of Marin and I knew the treasure tax collector of Marin at the time. He was like a second father to me and uh, he got me an interview with the chief probation officer and I was fortunate and um, he actually hired me. And so as an extra hire, and so uh I was happy about that and like Mark said 3 decades blow by which is just kind of kind of crazy to even contemplate but I got into it um basically because I played a lot of sports when I was growing up and and I just felt um giving back to the community like Mark had mentioned and um being able to coach somebody through life's circumstances and probation is really parallel to teaching somebody how to hit a baseball or shoot a basketball or whatnot a little bit different but there's some teaching going on and i always enjoyed that so um that was the attraction and like mark said 1990 to 2020 for me and 30 years went by and the last 11 years as chief I've enjoyed every minute of it.
0: That's so wonderful to hear. And it's it's great because you used a word that we've heard as well in a lot of our conversations, not just on the podcast, but coach. Like, how do you describe what, you know, um, skill sets that a probation officer tends to need or maybe uses yeah. to be successful and coaching is certainly a yeah. one that comes up uh, again and again so that's that's i love that both of those stories and, you know one of the reasons why we wanted to have both of you on the podcast together well there's several you'll have to wait until the end of the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. to hear all of them but one <laughs> of the reasons is uh you both served as president of CPOC. Mm-hmm. uh i believe chief Arella, you were um 2015 2015 and you daily you were 2014 yes mm-hmm. so you had to fix all of the things that that he messed up and more to year. keep all the good things oh going. Look at that. good yeah. good glad yeah. to hear that <laughs> but it does give you a little bit of a perspective i think sometimes serving as president um kind of statewide what what's happening in probation and so you know uh we hope to dive into the conversation today about how the the profession has evolved over time. And just in your experience from the the time that you maybe entered the profession and um, to the time as you're retiring or mm-hmm. retired mm-hmm. from the profession, how you've seen that change. Um, so we'll start with you, Chief Rella.
2: Well, a lot different in 1988, for mm-hmm. sure. So my first assignment was in adult investigations. So at that time, we were responsible for providing the court with these you know, very in detailed uh, pre-sentence reports to help inform the judge on making an appropriate decision at the time of sentencing. Now it's fresh out of college. And I wasn't too hip on writing term papers, but I was in that groove. So it made for a really good first assignment for me. And it was a, it was a fantastic assignment for me. I think it, it taught me a lot about the technical aspects of the criminal justice system. And a lot of what I did during that initial time, not only was learning how to navigate through the penal code, but sitting in in court and we were joking a little earlier, this was uh, pre-computers. So every, (laughs) all of our reports were dictated. So they were handwritten on legal pads and then dictated through a dictaphone and, and a word processor used to type them up for us. That's, Mm -hmm. that's how it used to be done back then. Um, at that time, we were writing 15 to 18 page pre sentence reports. We were known back then as the experts in in, in determinate sentencing. The courts often relied on us to to understand you know the sentencing, the correct sentencing terms for defendants. Um, that's not quite the case anymore. I think the the caseloads have increased quite a bit. Those reports have have have. Um, much more concise than they were back then but looking at even even our work in in the community um, i had a caseload my first caseload out in the field was 125 youth and i often worked by myself and this was uh the the time before um all the training you got was really dpo core there wasn't a lot of other training that you got in addition to that so you were often on your own out in the field navigating through a variety of problems and, and helping youth and or adults who are in need of, you know, some type of guidance. And, uh, you know, fast forward to what it looks like now is, is much more different. You know, we didn't have the use of uh, uh, risk and need assessments. Um, we didn't have the top notch training that's given to probation officers now. Oftentimes it was we went by our gut. What did our gut tell us to do? And mm-hmm. and uh, did your senior supervisor advise you how to get through a a, a particular issue? So mm-hmm. I think it's much more scientific now, much more thorough now. You know, when your gut is aligned with what a uh, evidence based tool is telling you, then you know that you're you're right on in terms of your assessment. But right. it was often you're working alone, often on the sidelines, and. Um, you know, fast forward now, I think we're so much more advanced than we were back then in terms of not only the, the, the technical part of the job, but our, our work with our community-based organizations, our justice partners. I think we're so far ahead of where I started in 1988. And when I often tell those stories to my staff, you know, they think, oh my goodness, I can't <laughs> believe that you even survived back then. So yeah. re- really proud of the profession and how far we've come.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's uh probably pretty similar to your experience as well. Yeah. Chief Daly, what would uh what would you add?
1: I well, when you talked about the the changes, I try to break it down into our major responsibilities, which Mark alluded to, providing investigative reports for the court, providing supervision, and running a juvenile hall. Those are like mm-hmm. the top three. And I think uh the supervision of the people um, we supervise in the community, uh, both juvenile and adults, as well as how the juvenile halls are run have probably been the most significant changes. The reports um, have gone up and down in terms of volume, but the supervision and, and how we administer our juvenile halls is radically different. And I'm sure we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. Yeah. but. To me, and Mark touched on this, uh, the work of Dr. Ed LaTessa in helping us um, understand what works in probation and what's gonna really change behavior so a person is no longer a public safety risk. That's, um was really good. And the, and the training, as Mark alluded to, and I think our stature, not only legislatively, but in our community, um, has really risen over the years, and there's been a couple legislative um, pieces, particularly in two thousand and nine and two thousand and eleven that would bolster that,
0: yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because i I was curious um based on the changes, what you may attribute that to. And so, uh, Are you referring to six seventy eight? Yes, I figured you would. And so, when I think about those changes, and I I was thinking about this uh, preparing for this uh, discussion, you know, six seventy eight kind of jumped to my consciousness, and I definitely wanted to to talk to both of you about that. But why don't you go ahead and start?
1: I thought Senate Bill six seventy eight was authored by Mark Leno. I believe two thousand nine. Um, really entrusted our profession to um, and challenged us to make a significant difference in order to combat what was a state crisis that we didn't have very much to do with. And so they challenged us and I think we succeeded. I think we wildly succeeded. And I think that got the attention of not only the legislature but our community and our surrounding criminal justice partners, that we can make a a, a significant difference. And shortly thereafter, uh, again, a state crisis that we didn't have very much to do with a significant overpopulation of CDCR, we were asked to problem solve that. And there were a lot of doubters back then. And we took on that challenge. Um, We were the chair of our committees, Mm -hmm. which was basically all the criminal justice departments. And um, we had to really administer justice in in a way, and probation, and services in a way um, that was pretty significant. I I don't think there's been a a more revolutionary or significant change in criminal justice since the 70s when they got rid of Determinant. Uh, or indeterminate sentencing, and now we're asking for a radical shift in our responsibilities with realignment, and we took that on, and that significantly elevated our stature in the community, in the field of criminal justice, and certainly uh, with our legislators who entrusted us with quite a bit of responsibility and, and money.
0: Yeah. No, and I and I was thinking a little bit about how. Um you know, this SB 678 that you're speaking of is about uh, adult uh, supervision uh, for those on probation and trying to make those changes. Mm-hmm. And because prior to that, you know, I think uh, you both mentioned the caseloads and how mm-hmm. how large they were. And uh, it's difficult to do the types of things we know work and change the behavior. So um, certainly that allowed for that. But, you know, one thing that you instituted an interesting program that uh i know we we talk Uh about a lot even uh to this day the the wall of change is that right um and that was i think you may have started that either just before 678 or were able to expand it under 678 Uh but um talk a little bit about is that one of the examples that you were able to kind of do to make the the change that we were needing?
1: Yeah, and then it also, it, it was a program that celebrated success. So right around the time that, you know, Mark was talking about, you know, the the work and the training, the elevated training that we got with folks like Dr. Edward Latessa, in giving us caseloads commensurate with risk level. And when you're able to do uh, work with a caseload of, you know, maybe 40 or 50 high-risk folks, you can do a lot more, uh, you can do better work in in helping those folks not be a, a public safety threat anymore. So the Wall of Change program basically um, was a program that would reward folks for their success in the community. These were folks that were some of our most significant offenders um, who had uh, a long criminal history, um, maybe never employed, um, poorly educated, um, that you can go on and on with, with the stuff that they had to deal with and you turn their life around and we offered them a lot of programs and services and when they were doing very, very well, we would honor them and we'd have a celebration uh, in our board of supervisors arena and all the criminal justice uh, partners would come including the presiding judge and, and all the other judges, and they would honor these folks. So it was oftentimes the first time they have succeeded in anything in their life. And they were extremely proud of themselves and their their spouses and their parents, and a, a lot of people would come and the place was packed. And it was just a different way of, of recognizing uh, probation and the community also being involved in that, and obviously all the criminal justice partners and recognizing that you can be successful. Mm-hmm. And we did have a pretty good success, uh, successful completion of probation rate in the county at the time. So we were all proud of that. And um, that's a program that's continued today by Chief Washington, and mm-hmm. um, I'm happy about that.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's an example of a small thing. It what maybe seems like a small thing, celebrating the success of the change and giving folks an opportunity to be, um, you know, honored for that and, and uplifted for that. That that seems like the types of things that we started to see kind of take hold around uh, the state. Um, at the same time though, uh, you pointed out that, you know, the supervision and there's there's a public safety aspect and accountability aspect. And that's also something that I remember mm-hmm. very clearly in both your leadership as a president and just over the years working with you as chief, that never strayed far from, the, the piece of that, that we really have that balance. And so, um, you know, can you talk about you know, the, the accountability and why that's important to also get to some of the successes that you just spoke of?
1: Yeah. A lot of the evidence-based programming that Mark was speaking to earlier always, always talked about positive reinforcements, but you have to mix in accountability. There's got to be accountability mixed into this formula somewhere. And, um, we there's there's examples of of accountability from a, a verbal. Hey, you can't do that anymore mm-hmm. to all the way up and leading to incarceration. I think probably the uh, most significant um, piece of accountability that we were helpful in crafting together was the flash incarceration. Yeah and it was immediate and it was short-term sanctions where you get somebody's attention, and it's a significant way to get their attention. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I remember working with my public defender, Jose Varela, right. who convinced his public defenders throughout the state that this is actually something that will benefit their clients. Right. And so it was a, and we eventually put that mm-hmm. into legislation, but Marin had done it um, mm-hmm. um, before it was even legislated. And we had agreements with the sheriff and the court and public defender and and um, and it worked. And uh, it was a good um, example of collaboration and what we were able to do. And, and it kind of kicked off with 678 and a uh, realignment right. where it all kind of came together. And again, our stature in the community, um, that was recognized by other criminal justice department heads, and the and the courts were saying, "Yeah, this this is working out, and probation is doing a really good job." Sure. Because we had our share of people that thought we weren't going to be able to handle realignment at all, and that was proven otherwise. Yeah,
0: no, so, that's a that's a great point. But I thought
1: flash incarceration was a probably our best example of of. Um,
0: of that balance. and
1: accountability. Yeah. Uh, and again, there's a wide spectrum of holding people accountable, and there's a whole slew of things that you can do prior to incarceration yeah. that you can hold somebody accountable.
0: You know, it seems like the um, the things that you're talking about on the adult side always struck me as a, an outgrowth of the things that we've also learned on the juvenile side, um, and so. Uh, one of the really big changes, and I know is a huge game changer for you and your county and the things that you were really involved with, uh, Chief Arella, which was uh, JDAI, right? Mm-hmm. The um, I'll probably get this wrong, but is it the juvenile?
2: Detention Alternatives Initiative.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and so... Uh, you know as was stated, that's you know how we are um, interacting with juveniles and keeping juveniles out of the system is a really important uh, piece to our work and of course when they are in the system, making sure that we're doing everything we can while they're in detention to you know help them through that part of the process. so um, talk a little bit about that if you will and and the difference it made in kind of the trajectory of how the uh, profession evolved in the juvenile side of the House,
2: Sure. So that was a new concept. When we launched that in Ventura County mm-hmm. in 2002, it took a little while for our justice partners to embrace what we were trying to do. Right about that time, we were building a brand new juvenile detention facility that could accommodate 420 youth. Wow. And <laughs> uh, we were working the opposite direction. We're trying to find ways to keep youth out of custody. And so that was a real interesting kind of yeah. um, dynamic yes exactly yeah um but what we learned in this process one of the things that we really strengthened was our 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 data collection and analysis and when you talked about evolving as a profession that's one of the areas that we've really involved in technology and our ability to capture data and using that data to tell us a story and drive our decisions moving forward and what we learned in Ventura County is we got a good idea of the kids who, who were coming through our doors of juvenile juvenile hall. We knew where they were coming from, who was bringing them through the door, why they were coming. And, and in drilling down, we figured that we would not wait till a youth came through the doors of juvenile hall before we started to um, at least connect with that youth and family. So that was the drive to start embedding uh, community base correction programs out in neighborhoods and in areas to address the youth before they would, you know, be arrested and come in through the system. So that was the whole focus of JDAI. And over the years we worked with the Annie Casey Foundation. We worked with the W. Hayward Burns Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Institute. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that we both have in common. We were both given the Courageous Leadership Award yeah. by W. Hayward Burns Institute. For wow! And JDI. I just remember that right now during this discussion.
0: That would yeah, have been an true. interesting award ceremony. Yes. To so.
2: But it was you know taking chances and and yeah. see if we can embed some really good resources in the community to address a lot of the reasons why youth were coming through our doors. And we've been highly successful in Ventura County. We've launched three evening reporting centers. Mm-hmm. We've uh, created a graduated response matrix that our probation officers use. So that way they understand that the only op- option isn't a return back to the right. juvenile detention facility. Uh, we worked with our, our our partners, both in the community and our justice partners, to really start looking at different ways that we could manage youth without having them come back into our juvenile detention facility. And it's, it's taken a lot of work. We've been doing it for a couple decades. Yeah. And, I was going to say, um, when
0: did that start? When did GDI start in it,
2: it, Ventura? It, well, it started with us in 2002. Okay. And wow. we Gosh. really use Santa Cruz County right. and San Francisco County as sort of the, uh, the programs we wanted to emulate in Ventura County. So mm-hmm. we relied particularly in Santa Cruz on what they were doing there and see if we can recreate that in, in Ventura. So we're, we're proud of the work in that area and, and, One of the examples that I want to point out and how far this has come, we actually use probation funding through JJCPA to expand our CEO's Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion to create a youth equity component. So we're using JJCPA funds to fund um, uh, a couple positions to look at youth equity issues in the community, look at ways that we can address them, break down some barriers and and that's part of that, you know, forward-looking right. and what we can do as a profession to help uh, in the community to create just better overall wellness. So,
0: well, and you know, it's a also a good example of what we were wanting to talk about today, right? The evolution mm-hmm. of probation and and you know the uh, communities or the counties who started the JDAI, for example not every county then did exactly JDAI mm-hmm. but we all kind of peer-to-peer learned from some of those mm-hmm. successes right mm-hmm. and then you share with your peers and those things get adapted to you know your own county and we start to see major change happen throughout the state and then that builds upon you know that stuff you know one step leads to another it just seems like as we look back now that's kind of if it were planned, it would. It sounds like it was a brilliant plan to try to move mm-hmm. us from one um, part of this uh, spectrum to the other. But it really does seem as though uh, probation did a good job in building upon the lessons learned, the successes mm-hmm. and probably some failures along yeah. the way to, to try to continue to improve the profession.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a lot of those came out of our quarterly meetings where we'd all learn from yeah. each other, and those are very well-run professional meetings, and you have a lot to take credit for that. Um, you took the bait, thank see, you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but CPOC, you know, we, we'd learn from each other in different parts of the state, whether it's right. the politics or the money and the funding, to, to everything, and Mark and I as president, you know, you, we'd have to really, we're trying to develop statewide policy. You'd have to really listen to these folks in different regions, and, um, And i think that's part of our growth when we talk about the evolution and listening to each other and listening to the needs because the the folks from the northern region have different needs from the bay region to the south southern region and it's tough to put it all together and then once we get that organized then we have to go through the legislative process (laughs) and so that was always fun but
0: super easy (laughs) yeah but
1: so when you talk about the evolution um, and I mean this in all seriousness, Karen, that, you know, CPOC and, and their stature within Sacramento mm-hmm. is really elevated us as well under your leadership and in your staff. So um, that has positioned us nicely over the years mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, we've done a lot of good work well, for this the community.
0: W- I appreciate hearing that, although it's really not the... Um... The entire part of the story, you know, it's one of the reasons I want to talk to the two of you, because it is that president's role, the, the fact that you guys not only gave so much to your individual counties, which people who worked with you in your counties are probably well aware of, but what your leadership has done for the entire state and because of the way I think. CPOC tends to work, right? The chiefs work with each other. You know, we're Mm -hmm. one of the latest uh, things that we've been saying a lot, because it just seems to jump right out is, you know, counties helping counties solve state problems. That's what you guys have always done just out of human nature, right? You you sit in a room, problems are presented to you. You've got to do something. Oftentimes, probation is the last resort the last stop of trying Mm -hmm. to figure out a problem Um, and so you rely on your peers to learn from how they might might be doing something and how that could or pieces of that could work Mm -hmm. with you so i think you've had an opportunity to not only see that but you've both led it you know through your careers um, certainly as chiefs and certainly Mm -hmm. my time being able to work with you so i would i would definitely concur with that one other thing you had said um, both of you actually touched on both in talking about 678, which remembers on the adult side, JDI, which is on the the juvenile side, um, and a lot of a lot of change has happened on the juvenile side that we haven't even scratched the surface of. But um, there seemed to be, I think you both said there was either maybe uh, uncertainty with some of your partners, you know, in the the community that we could do it or that we should be going in the direction that was kind of being set forth. Um, and yet probation was willing to do that and step up and kind of step to the plate and make it happen. So what do you think that account, how, why do you think probation does that? It seems like it's happening over and over again. Why are you guys willing to seemingly take on the impossible?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's, I think it's in our nature to do this, right? I think, uh, particularly at the chief level, I think you have some strong leaders that are not afraid to lead. And and it, you know, folks are very comfortable working within their their boundaries, within their silos, and I think it's very difficult to to take a non traditional place and and lead a change that really nobody knows about. I always felt that when I came back from our CPOC quarterly meetings, like I had the most information about what's happening. In, particularly with changes in, in in the law, new initiatives than any of my peers did in the county. So I felt it was a responsibility to make sure that I bring everybody up to speed on what was happening. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a lot of these new initiatives, you know, probation's taken a, a leadership position on it. We've mm-hmm. literally gone, and I've said this before, during my tenure as chief, I've literally seen our profession go from the sidelines onto the playing field, but not only onto the playing field, but taking a very important yeah. role in the team, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, the quarterback role, you know, and, in and in, in leading a lot of this. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's what we do. It's, 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 you know, we lead the change and, mm-hmm. and I think we're very used to that now. And we've developed a culture, at least within the chiefs, that if there's something difficult, that's going to be coming down the pike, uh, particularly from Sacramento probation is going to be, front and center in making this happen. This is the narrative that I've been pushing in Ventura County. I think all of my colleagues and our policymakers in Ventura know that Mm -hmm. if there's something major that's going on and it's impacting our system, our justice system, probation is going to be one of the key players in making this happen. And uh, certainly that's been the case the last, at least the last dozen years.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I would imagine with as much that you guys need to be connected to, it's really important to have those connections in your communities to try to help surround the various different problems Mm -hmm. that come our way. It's a complex system, you know, the the justice system.
1: And I I think the... realignment when we are chairing that group and understanding the mission of all the other folks who are on that committee from health and human services to public defender to district attorney sheriff court and all their needs are in order to make the folks that we supervise successful there's been a lot of social change too and and to me this is almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs i mean they're not going to do well if they don't have a roof over their head or they don't know where their next meal is. And so all of a sudden probation is in the business of providing funding for um, what do they call it? sober living arrangements. Right. And we used to pay for that. We'd pay for your first six months because it, it, they're unmotivated to make significant changes in your life when they don't even know where they're going to sleep or where their next meal is coming from. So now all of a sudden probation's in the business of housing
2: (laughs) and we're in the business
1: of providing food and employment. And so our, our tasks expanded. Mm -hmm. And like Mark said, we are kind of the Jack of all trades. I mean, when there's a problem, Well, probation can probably do this. And I don't want to say the other entities are more linear in scope, but just in my 30 years of experience, we tend to, be the, the collectors. Yeah, It's very broad. Right. And so in order for our folks to be successful and no longer public safety threats, we have to be, have uh position ourselves to provide them with some services that are outside the normal scope. And that's where I think right. some of these folks like uh, recovery coaches and previously, uh, criminal justice, <laughs> uh, folks that were inside our, criminal justice system and now work for some of us have provided uh, a great tool for us to, to, um, advance some of those things like housing, signing people up for SSI, food, all the stuff that probation officers, I'd get lost in one of those buildings. I wouldn't be very useful, but some of these folks who, um, are recovery coaches, I know one in particular, um, who's now working for Alameda County probation department. And as a matter of fact, got a CPOC award
0: we we tend to find yes. good people to yeah. to try to you know thank yeah. them for their service and you know that's it does bring to mind like the the folks who really are carrying out a lot of the things that once you became chief and you saw some of the the issues and initiatives that had to be kind of led you know the the folks that work in probation i mean how, how do you motivate them to to constantly be in this evolution of of, hey, maybe we need to do things different. Maybe we need to do more. How do we talk a little bit about uh, your role in in dealing with your staff?
1: Mark and I spoke about this earlier and, and we kind of shared the same philosophy. I always came back from CPAC really excited. My staff was going, oh my God, here he comes. What harebrained <laughs> ideas do you have next? But- That makes we, it sound like CPAC is we, no, harebrained idea. No, we, we had, no, it was just, it was cutting yeah. edge, quite frankly. Right. And, and we had the latest and greatest information. And as president, mm-hmm. you know, we were in on some calls, executive level calls that we right. knew what was coming, coming down the pike. And Mark and I sh- shared the same philosophy of give that out to your staff and let them know what's coming Okay. And the train coming down, and, and sometimes the, the train was big and scary and loud. Um, but we knew it was coming, and there was no way around it. So, how are we going to make this new legislative rule fit for us? And how are we going to design it in Marin to make it fit for us so we're comfortable with this? Yeah, because each each, and I was just thinking in my mind, the significant changes in juvenile hall and Mm -hmm. how it's administered. And the more you tell your staff what's coming down, it's gonna start January 1st, then the more time we have to prep for it. And then there's been numerous occasions over the years where that um, had happened. But Mark and I shared the same philosophy of get it to your staff so they know it's coming. You don't wanna upend them and say, guess what? And so um, that's always been our philosophy together is get it out. Yeah, because they're they're going to come up with great ideas to help you with it. You can't do everything. Yeah,
0: right. We have to rely on the very capable, well trained, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. and obviously people who are drawn to this profession, wanting to help make these things work. You know, so yeah. that's um, you yeah, know. That's part of the reason why we want the podcast oh, yeah. out there is we want oh, to yeah. be sure that folks are hearing about how these things do come about and what goes into it, maybe what's happened before. So how kind of taking this journey on how we have evolved has been really Uh, interesting for me to prepare for. I hope you guys have kind of found it interesting um, to talk through. But um, as we get close to the end of the conversation, I'm curious because I'm sure there's plenty that I haven't hit on. But in thinking about today, is there anything that I haven't asked that you thought would be interesting to add to the conversation?
2: I want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> something that Chief Daly mentioned, and that's it's Mike now. Oh Mike, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm old> tired. <laughs> Mike was about the uh, the behavioral change. Yeah. I I think a lot of our staff would draw a lot of our probation officers to the profession is this desire, this willingness to wanna change lives and make a make a big difference. And as chief, you get the opportunity of some receiving some cool letters from clients who have worked Mm -hmm. with your staff. And I receive, I'm going to use this as an example, because it's something that I uh, dealt with this past week. I received a letter from an AB 109 client, so very high risk, and uh, talking about his probation officer and how his probation officer, um, he didn't know what to expect at first, but how his probation officer was really, really instrumental in him, Eventually, getting off um, community, you know, supervision and, and landing a job that paid thirty seven dollars an hour, oh, wow. and he talked about how his probation officer was very encouraging and supportive and and held him accountable when he needed to be held accountable, but never gave up on him even though he was willing to give up on himself. Mm. And so, in reading these letters, that's really the that's really what we do, right? It's right. the nuts and bolts of what we do, and we recently went through a strategic planning process. Our vision statement in Ventura County is transforming and empowering lives for a stronger community. And I do believe, and this plan came with input at all levels of our agency, I do believe that is what our folks wanna do. They wanna transform lives. They wanna make a difference. They wanna change the trajectory of someone's life and get them down a path of success. And that's very, very important. And that's at the core of what, what why our folks choose this profession. And it's really cool as a chief to be able to sit back and see that happening, um, going to a reentry program graduation and hearing from the participants how much of an impact the probation officer has played in their graduation. It's powerful. And I think it really motivates fo- our folks to continue pushing and yeah. continue going so that's it has been a really from my vantage point something that's really really cool from pr- being achieved and being able to see that so it's that transformative work that really is something that has uh evolved and our, our folks yeah. are so good and so resourceful at getting people on that on that right track so
0: it strikes me as you're talking that it really comes down to if we can get our folks tools they will help change Uh our communities. Uh And that's one of the things that I think chiefs have always, that's the top of the list. It's the top of our legislative list. It's the top of the things that we talk about, you know, all the time, right? Is that we have to, you know, uh, get tools to our people because they they will be resourceful. They will adapt. Mm -hmm. They will find what it's going to take to make these changes happen, which often require this balancing act of the accountability and finding new ways to get people opportunities. And so right. it definitely is a theme that keeps coming through some of these conversations that we've been having. Yeah.
1: And you'd hear a lot of those at the at the wall of change um, ceremony, mm-hmm. uh, thanking their probation officer, thanking the judge, um, thanking the recovery coaches. Uh, and the recovery coaches, I think, is it's, this started off as, a, as an idea in Marin um, back in 2010, I believe, where we utilized folks in a community to help us out with the trust issues in a community in order to work with some folks. And it ended up really blossoming. And I would really advocate for that. Uh, the gentleman I was talking about um, who I befriended, he served 19 years in state prison and he was able to be resentenced under a rather obscure law. Um, and he was released based on all of his achievements while in prison. And he now works for Alameda County Probation mm-hmm. Department. His name is Joe Mason, and he does incredible work. And it's sometimes that that person, that go-between, that can assist us, anything, anything that we can utilize to, right. to make the community safe or to reach some other people who have shared life experiences and somebody who's been down for 19 years, I mean, that carries a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you talk about legislatively, and, and my hope, and I know we always had this in mind, Karen, was uh, just an attention towards victims and, and always um, keeping victims of, of crime in mind relative to uh, some of the things that are going on uh, right now and always have been going on always been a real strong advocate of victim rights and restorative justice programs.
0: Absolutely. So. Yeah. And those those you have seen flourish over the, the last yeah. uh, couple yeah. of decades and certainly something that we cannot lose sight of. And, right. and at times, you know, I think in all fairness, it, ha- it has. And, and that's not... You know one isn't at the opposite of the other, you know, trying to help restore victims at the same time that you're trying to make change meaningful change for those who are serving on your caseloads seem like yeah. it, they both are, can be done together yeah. and that the, has the, to happen. the
1: speed of Sacramento the speed of the game, as they say, is uh, True. pretty fast. So I can appreciate it. I was just, just putting in my little two cents Yay, for always. What, uh,
0: exactly, that's what you're here for. Well, yeah. actually, I'm surprised that you guys uh, managed to uh, go through this entire time here. Um, I may have had to get you here under false pretenses. I think both <laughs> of you thought that we were here to really have the final debate as to who is better. Giants or Dodgers because this has been the debate <laughs> that has been at our table between these two guests for ever yeah. as long as I've known the two of you. Um, so uh, you may have thought this was going to be a sports show. I be in a, you know uh, I had wished Santa yeah. gave me a podcast about a sports show. That's yeah, not what this yeah. is, but I'll give you a few minutes to have that out. Yeah. who who won the last bet?
2: I think well, I won the last we bet. Both, he he we stopped betting have, me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we we both came on chief right around within 6 months of each other. Mm-hmm. And I got 3 World Series and he's got one with an asterisk.
0: So. Oh, an asterisk. Oh no.
1: <laughs> and you got cheated out of one too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, no, it's all good. I love Mark. And
1: um, and uh, we're always texting back and forth. It so makes the know, baseball and, season full. And
2: if I tell him that the Dodgers have won 10 years straight, our division 10 years in a row, yeah. that still won't compare Dang. to the World Series rings. But I Dang. think both of us uh right now are a little bit more worried about the Padres this, yeah this coming season yeah. so we might have to <laughs> join forces to keep our our friends to the south down that, there's yeah, other yeah.
1: chiefs we can needle <laughs> there you you down go. Too.
0: as you can see it's you know you gotta have some some way to blow off a little bit of steam this has yeah, definitely yeah. been the one for the two of you we really appreciate uh you though sharing Really illustrious careers sitting before me here and uh, wonderful to have the opportunity to talk about it with you kind of looking at it in the rear view mirror and uh, which is probably a nice, which why you seem so relaxed, you soon will be. uh, And I'll remain jealous for a little longer. It's been a pleasure, um, not only today, but to be able to work with you and call you both friends. Um, So thank you for making the trip to Sacramento to have this discussion today.
1: Thank you for having us.